0: This morning, uh, the message is called Scars Make Good Stories, and I need to be honest with you. I need to tell you that there's such thing called a preacher story, and I've told these before, and I've even used them from time to time. And these are stories that may be slightly exaggerated or dramatized in order to, to make it a little bit more interesting or, to, or maybe even a little more entertaining. And, and um, I'm embarrassed to admit that what I'm about to say is not a preacher story. This actually happened. Not just someone I know. It actually happened to me. This isn't the one about you. You're fine. <laughs> okay. So I was walking through a parking lot after tagging along on a shopping trip to the mall. Uh, that should have been my first clue that it wasn't going to be the great experience for me because I don't like shopping at all. Uh, Menards, yes. Best Buy, yes. Costco, maybe. Um, but I digress. We're, we're walking through the parking lot and we're just chatting. And I don't remember what we're chatting about and making way around cars, between cars and Got separated a moment in a narrow passage. Um, the person went, this way, I went this way, and then it happened. The earth opened up and swallowed me. That sounds dramatic, and I know what you're thinking, wait. He said he wasn't gonna dramatize the story unnecessarily. But my friends, I am telling you the truth. I'm not I am actually downplaying a little bit. I literally fell in an open manhole. <laughs> Just like you'd see in the cartoons. Um, I was a little better shape then, so I caught it around here. Now I'd probably catch it around here, but it still hurt. Um, honestly, that happened, and I can never tell the story as well as a person that was with me. She would say that we're in the middle of a conversation. She went one way, I went the other, and then silence. And she said, well, where are you? Down here. And the, needless to say, that relationship didn't work out. And guys, I'm telling you, I'm not a relationship expert, but when the earth swallows you up, might be a sign she's not the one for you. <laughs> anyway, I, I really, <laughs> my current wife is now laughing. She loves that. Anyway, I have, um, I now have an entertaining story and a nice scar to share on my shin. Scar to share, yes, it's hard to say. But scars make good stories. And maybe it's a guy thing, but we like to show these off, don't we? Our little scars and all this. Let's, let's take a moment and maybe watch an example from a movie I'm sure you'll recognize Get there, we'll go ahead and click it. There you go. <surprises> you got that ever- mm-hmm. beat? <inaudible> oh? oh, some more ideal. Different from my website. Oh, no. No, there's some time. I don't about that, uh, I entered an arm wrestling like, contest in the lobby bar of San Francisco. You see this? I can't extend You know why? I got to the semi-final. Celebrating my third wife's degrees. We changed for like two <laughs> it's a bold shark it's screaming on our stained sandals. I got the crumb of the crumb. Right here. Hold on. Can you see that? You're wearing a sweater. Right there. Mariela Mosses. She broke my heart. Anybody do anything like that? (laughs) (laughs) It's gorgeous. Stories of our scars. You know, I love that, you know, the competition had begun, and you saw when it happened, right? It was, it was, that, and who had the most traumatic injury, and and then the one that took the prize, right? The broken heart. (laughs) So there are several kinds of scars. We have surgical scars. I'm not sure if you consider these interesting stories to tell, but certainly news of improved health and healing is something we celebrate. We have accidents and injury scars, and these typically fall on one of two sides. Um, They're the ones we're a little embarrassed about, like my shin. Um... I actually made a note to tell one more story, I'll I'll do it real quick. Do you guys remember when Howie Mandel was a comedian in the 80s? He had all that hair, and he had this one little skit, he'd put a surgical glove on his head, and he'd blow it up. You ever seen that? He would, and he had this big inflated glove on his head, and he'd do a stand-up. Well, I was, I don't know if I've shared the story with you, this is how I got my first set of stitches in my chin. Uh, my cousin Julie and I were, were goofing around on bikes, and I had blown one up on my head, and we were riding around, and I fell off my bike and went straight over a bars and with a surgical glove on my head, laying in the street, bleeding. And uh, oh, I've got a lot more, but we'll wait for my reunion to share more. <laughs> so there's these scars that were the stories are a little embarrassing, and their scars were proud of, like the men in the jaws clip. You know, they're kind of proud of the things that they had accomplished. Or how about a proud mother? I mean, I know pregnancy is hard on the body, but the miracle of creating and carrying and delivering a new life in this world is something to revere. And what about an organ donor? You know, there's a story in the news just this week about a teacher who donated a kidney to one of her students. That is a gift of love and a scar that I dare say few would volunteer for. But in all cases, the scars made a good story. And Most of them, there was a lesson too, like don't be stupid, like put a glove on your head and ride. Don't be selfish, you know, the organ donor. Don't be afraid when you're going through the surgery. And we don't have time to get in all the lessons from being a parent, but surely you can agree that there are many lessons to learn as a parent as well. And yes, scars make good stories. And there's no greater story, nor is there a greater opportunity for us to learn than from the scars of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus came to us as a newborn baby, carried and delivered by the Virgin Mary, Scripture tells us that this was done so that he could walk among us and experience a life like ours. And as a result, when the Word became flesh, the examples became real, and the lessons became relatable. Jesus, experiencing life like every other child of that time, likely stumbled and skinned his knee, got hurt working in his earthly father's carpenter shop, and who knows, maybe he smacked his thumb a time or two with a hammer. But the most important scars that he received were the direct result of his success in accomplishing what he came to do. And it hasn't been that long since we shared the Easter message, but let me just kind of hit a few things that, that Jesus came to do and accomplished. He came to reveal the Father, Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus came to be a ransom for many, Matthew twenty twenty eight. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And you probably heard this in, too in that same verse. He came to serve. He came, did not come to be served, but to serve. And he came to save the world, John 3.17 and Luke 19.10. And I love John 3.17. We always read John 3.16, and you could probably recite it, but we stop there. You know, the God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But then it goes on and says, For he did not send his son into the world to condemn, but to save the world. In Luke, it says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus also came to preach the good news about the kingdom of God, Luke 4.43. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. He came to do the good will of his father, John 6.38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of one, him who sent me. He came to give us his father's words. John 17, 8. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you had sent me. What else did Jesus accomplish? He came to testify the truth. John John 18, 37. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. He came to destroy Satan's power. Hebrews 2.14, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, and that is the devil. You wonder why Jesus came as a human? That's why. Because he had to come to live, to die, so he could defeat death. He also came to fulfill the law and the prophecies. Matthew 5.17, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. That's something you really need to remember. He did not come to replace the thou shalt nots. He came to fulfill those and show that you can live a life that does not lie and cheat and steal and and commit adultery and covet. Jesus came to give us life, John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This one you know, he came to atone for our sins, also from Hebrews. For this reason he had to be made like them, again, human, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, and that is you and I. And certainly not last on, on his list of what he had done, but the last on what I'm going to touch on this morning, he came to proclaim freedom for believers like us, Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. I mean, he came for these purposes. But he also literally came for billions of individual reasons as well. And you are one of those reasons. He came for you. God sent his son Jesus to be your personal savior. And as we learned several weeks ago, Jesus' final words, die. do you remember that? Tetelesti, which has been taken meaning it is finished. It actually means, as you hopefully recall from our Easter message, that it means it continues to be finished. It's an action. It's called a, a perfect verb. It's an action, not just once and done, but once and forever. And what was accomplished on that cross left a scar. But it also left a story of good news that is still being shared and benefit from almost, 20, or almost 2,000 years later. In this slide on the screen, it depicts Jesus' nail-scarred hands and a finger reaching towards it. This is from the verse John 20, 19-25, it's referenced up there, which tells a story when Jesus came to his disciples following his resurrection. I'm going to read it. It says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, because remember, their leader is gone. He was killed. He had not yet risen. They, they did not know. They thought he was murdered, tried unjustly, and killed. And who knew if, if they were coming for them next? So they were locked in this room with, uh, together, hiding from the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As a father has sent me, I am sending you. That with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And it goes on and says, now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Wow, talk about missing out on the party, right? So the disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand inside, I will not believe. So what do you think about Thomas's reaction? Was he reasonably skeptical? Was he showing a lack of faith? Whatever the reason, he became well-known for this and the phrase doubting Thomas still used today, although I don't hear it as often. Doubting Thomas refers to the disciple Thomas who did not believe unless he saw it for himself. Are you a doubting Thomas? Maybe not when all seems to be going well in your life, but in times of struggle or uncertainty? Do you say God Where are you? Where were you in this situation? And when your friends remind you that God is in absolute control, do you find yourself thinking, I won't believe that until he is is here and I see it for myself or I experience God directly? Are you like that? Prove it, Jesus. Show me your scar. Show me directly that you care about me by answering this prayer or by taking this problem away. You know, friends, there's no shame in feeling like this. We have a loving and understanding Father, and as we've been studying in our 830 Bible study gatherings, God wants you to learn to walk. But unlike a parent that wants you to hold their hand while they teach you, with the hope that someday they let go and you can walk in independence, God wants to teach you to walk in a way that is more dependent on him. So the more you walk, the more you rely on him, the more hand-in-hand you are in every day of your life. And you'll see that he is always present. But even Jesus, the son of God, when the purpose and limits of his time on earth were revealed to him in the garden, he asked his father, he said, he said, prove, he asked his God to, but he wanted him to prove that he was in control and he asked him to, to intervene. He said, take away, or prevent what's going to happen in the next couple hours. He said this, just like we do. He said, God, I don't want to go through this. This is horrible. I don't want this. Then he does one of those risky prayers that we talked about a minute ago. He says, Not my will, but yours be done. Okay, That's a living example of what we were to be doing. And as a result, all of those things that I listed a few minutes ago were accomplished. And they were done for you and you and you and for me, for everyone. But what's unique about Jesus' story with scars is that it's our story to tell too. We can share it because we know him. We can say, I have a friend who... We can share it because we've witnessed it and say, let me tell you what Jesus is my Lord and Savior, what that has meant to me. We can share it as a benchmark in time saying, I used to live this way and have these fears and these hangups and these habits. And then this happened. And now I know Jesus and as a result, this is who I am today. I mean, can you fill in those blanks with words from your own life? I bet you can. I bet you'd like to. And God is betting that you will. And by doing so, you are showing an obedience to him and a discipleship to his son, the one who took those scars for you. You know, a difference between Jesus' scar stories and our own is that sometimes our scars become baggage, especially those emotional ones. You know, like Richard Dreyfus, you know, with the the girl broke his heart. They laughed about it. I mean, I literally avoid manhole covers now. I literally walk around them. I do. It's funny that story is to think about. I really got hurt and embarrassed, and I don't care for it to happen again. I'm not going to put myself out there. But haven't we all been hurt, disappointed, let down, scarred by a person or perhaps a group of people? I mean, maybe it was a coworker, a friend, or ouch, maybe a family member or your spouse. Maybe at some point it was a church, and were you left scarred, abraded, jaded, and a little calloused? Are you letting those wounds keep you? from trusting or enjoying a different relationship with your people, with God, with your friends, with your family, or your church now. You know, the lesson we learn from our scar stories can hold us back. Or they can be like the scars that Jesus had and they can set us free. Galatians 5.1, I'm going to close with this verse. It says, Christ has set us free. This means we are really free. Now hold on to your freedom and don't ever become a slave to the law again. Let's pray. Father God, life life is good, but life can be tough. And along the way, we get bumps and scrapes and bruises and an occasional scar. And sometimes our scars are funny stories. Sometimes they're embarrassing. Sometimes they're painful lessons. But God, they each leave their mark on us, but nothing compares to the scars that your son took in our name, the scars that benefit us today, that that created a relationship that allows us to talk to you just like we are right now. Because we have a freedom to live a life and we choose to live one that honors you. God, we thank you for those scars. We even thank you for our own. Because through these lessons, hopefully we've learned something. Whether it's, I don't want to do that again or go through that again. Or maybe it's, it's something even deeper like, I really value my life or my friendship now. God, let your scars be the amazing story that it is to tell, and let us go forth from this place and share it, what you've done for us, what you've done through us, what we've done in response to you. As always, God, I thank you for this church and this congregation, those who've come before us that have built it, who have funded it and supported it through the years, those who do so now and in the future. God, I thank you for every family here today, those who aren't here today who couldn't make it, that are ill, traveling. Watch over them in their safe travels. God, I pray for the empty places in the pews this week, that they are a constant reminder to us that we have room and a desire to be open and inviting. God, we lift up this service to you this morning. We ask that you bless us each one as we go from here. And we thank you for the loving God you are. Amen.